I've loved all of the Artist and the Athlete episodes, but this one stayed with me because of how powerful it was to connect with two well-known rising stars about their journeys because they are very much living out that arc of fame right now. And I hope this is one that can be a guide for the young girls out there. My guests are one of my favorite female artists, Tennille Towns, the next big star in country music. Her voice is remarkable, but she's already become known for her incredible songwriting ability. She specifically requested to be paired with Sarah Fuller, Vanderbilt soccer star whose life changed overnight when she was thrust into the national spotlight when the men's football team needed a kicker. She's such a rock star. She went into that game and actually gave the team a pep talk at halftime. We talked to Sarah before her Vanderbilt soccer team's run in the NCAA tournament. And these two ladies connected about things, including their rise, in a way I found so authentic and vulnerable and so moving. At one point, I had tears welling up in my eyes. I hope you're as inspired as I was by these two women who are so much fun to talk to. <laughs> this is so cool to be here. I'm in Nashville <laughs> in my little townhouse in this spare room that I've converted into a little music studio with all kinds of different live stream backdrops and equipment <laughs> that I'm learning to use that I've never had to do before this year. <laughs> but it's my little creative space and I love it here. I'm in Nashville as well, over in Germantown. Today we have an off day uh, from soccer, which is awesome, but uh, we're getting ready for the NCAA tournament that's coming up. Um, May 1st is our game, so we're super excited for that and to, to make a run in the tournament. Awesome. And Tanil, you're about to be back on the road, right? Yes, it is almost our game time again, and I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, game time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's got to be amazing after the past year. I don't even know how to properly like articulate how excited my heart is to get back out on the road. It's just been, I mean, over a year for us, for my band and I, since we came off the road and the world kind of changed and shut down. And it's like big groups of people is is one of the last things that will come back from all of this. And so we're just like, we're so excited to get out there in the safest and healthiest ways that we can. But like we got to announce to be a part of the Brothers Osborne tour coming this fall and I'm just losing my mind. I'm so <laughs> excited for you guys. I've seen Brothers Osborne, I guess, back in 2017 and they're awesome. So I'm going to have amazing. to catch that show because... I, I love your work and I love Brothers Osborne as well. So that's that's an awesome show to go well, to. Well, that's so cool. We'll have to definitely have you out at a show. That would be so fun to get to meet you in person at one of those. That yeah, would, that'd that be, would awesome. be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about the, the past year for both of you and I'm like, wow, you know, as hard as it's been, it seems like you guys have really done some pretty amazing things, right? So to Neil, you requested Sarah for this conversation, yes. right? So I was curious why and, and if you guys have had any sort of history. I am just such a fan of Sarah's. And when I think about Nashville as a community and like the history that's being made here, I've heard about Sarah so much this past year and following the Instagram adventures and like your picture <laughs> with the helmet that says play like a girl is like one of my favorite things ever. But yeah, just been hearing so much about the incredible work that you're doing and the history you're making. And we heard about this opportunity to get to talk with you, Lindsay. It's like, hey, that would be so fun. I wonder if Sarah would be up for this. So, so cool to have oh, yes, this of happen. Course. That's so cool because like since I've been in Nashville and everything, I've heard of your songs and stuff and absolutely love your music. My dad and I are like big fans. That's so cool. Your song White Horse is like awesome and I have it saved on my playlist. And, That's um, amazing. So it, it was like, no, it was so cool when you when I when I found out about this because I was like, what? Like she knows about me. So like <laughs> This that was is cool. so cool. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about White Horse and Tanil's music that caught you and your dad as fans? Honestly, I love your sound. Like, it's so unique. Thanks. And I think it's different from, like, the, the stuff that's kind of coming out in Nashville right now. So I just love that you're different. And White Horse is just kind of like, wow, I think you um, give off just really cool stories. And I think that's what country music is about, is just, like, good storytelling. Um, and you're, you do an amazing job with that. And you have, like, a new album coming out, right? So I'm, like, Thank super you. excited about that as well. You're so, so sweet. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Tell us about that. Yeah, so we got to put out the lemonade stand during this whole crazy um, pandemic year. And now we're like, I've been 
recording new music kind of since putting that out and we're rounding the corner towards like starting the new season of music so it'll working on recording songs right here with this set up in my little okay. room to uh, to hopefully get the next record together so that's been fun I love that you and your dad love country music that is me you have to tell him yeah. I say hello <laughs> I will will we be hearing like anything really unique for you? I think this year has been so interesting in the way that you can't help but sort of reflect on yourself and on the world when something like this magnitude happens and it kind of brings forward, I don't know, just time for deeper thoughts I've had this year. And so my favorite part about music is being able to tell stories and make us feel like we're not alone and the only ones that you know, we're not the only ones feeling the way that we're feeling. That's the greatest gift of music to me. But I think my favorite perspective to write and create from is the observer. Is there something happening that I'm seeing or something inspiring and, you know, that I'm watching and it's like, okay, I want to write about that and tell the story. But I think this year has kind of forced me to look internally a little bit more. And so these, these new songs, I think will be a little more personal and a little bit more of sort of my own window into things. So it's been terrifying honestly and also really awesome to be exploring into that so I'm getting really excited to share some of these new songs it's interesting so we did a conversation with Alanis Morissette and Danica Patrick oh man that's so fun it was so cool and Alanis (laughs) was sharing that she felt like it's cathartic when you do that but it's not necessarily healing right and and i just thought that was like <laughs> wow that's a big deal but she she talked about you know how writing certain songs for her just became such a, a therapy it is it's my way of understanding how i feel like if someone would be like how are you doing today like i'm just like everything's great you know like that's my natural sort of posture but if I really want to kind of dig around into what's going on, what I'm thinking about and what I'm actually feeling, that's kind of hard for me to say, but it's a lot easier for me to write about. And so I think it's healthy for me to get to pick up a pen and paper and kind of process whatever's whatever's going on. And And then the most healing part of it to me is being able to share a song and like hear how it makes somebody else feel. And then suddenly it's like it's no longer an isolating as scary of a thing. It's like, oh, cool. So we're all human beings and we all have things that are wonderful and things that are hard. And (laughs) this is so much easier now, you know, it's, that's the most healing part of it to me. I think that's why like athletes connect so much to music is because like we have a hard time being able to express our emotions and feelings. We're we're just out there Mm. on the field doing our thing. And so when we're able to listen to songs that, you know, we relate to, that's kind of like our therapy in a sense. So it's kind of cool that we like can connect on that level. That is so cool. Yeah. yeah. I've never thought about that part of it before, but that, that makes sense. When you're in the zone and you're focused on something, it's like there's no other room to really... (laughs) to have the capacity to feel other things. And so you got to have an escape. I know I do too. That's other music is what pulls me out of that. So that's really cool. I love that. That's how I'm feeling too. Like I can actually like in my head be like, okay, yes, these are what I'm experiencing and feeling. And it's kind of strange that someone else puts it into words, but you're like, okay, like, thank you for doing that because I was having such a hard time, like processing whatever Mm -hmm. emotion it was. So can you take me inside what that's like for you? Like, is it when you're listening to music before a game or during a practice or something? Yeah. So before a game, honestly, I, I listen to like heavy rock before games to get me like pumped up and stuff. But when I'm, you know, just relaxing and um, hanging out with friends and family, I listen to country music all the time. And it's, it allows me to like, have a moment to relax and enjoy my time and kind of be with myself. I mean, it's like my number one go to like study music. Mm -hmm. So I can like, like just focus and Mm -hmm. relax. And I think it's funny how like I kind of switch personas like from, you know, sport. I'm like, oh, heavy metal rock. Let's like get pumped up. And then like, I finally (laughs) relax into it. Got my Lake Day playlist and everything. So (laughs) that's awesome. So you're about to graduate and then you're, you're doing grad school at North Texas, right? Yeah. So I am very stressed right now. (laughs) Normally we have like our NCAA tournament would be in November following the SEC tournament, but because of COVID, everything got moved over. So we're still playing. We've been playing soccer since July. So it's, it's been a very long season. And then of course I'm prepping to graduate 
and, you know, moved back to Texas. So uh, there's a lot on my plate right now, but I'm, I'm really excited and there's a lot of cool opportunities coming. And, you know, I really want to do well in this tournament and everything and, and kind of take that momentum into North Texas. So, yeah, super exciting stuff. <laughs> what are the cool opportunities? Honestly, I got uh, accepted into a sports management entertainment degree at North Texas, um, oh, wow. and working with like the Dallas Cowboys and stuff and different teams around Dallas, which I was originally going to do hospital administration. And then once all this stuff happened, I was like, I feel like I need to take advantage of this and go like the sports route. So they have a super awesome master's program with that. And I am so excited to be a part of that. And just ingrain myself even more in the sports world. Because I, I really do want to make a lot of change in terms of women's sports and bringing attention to that. And I think the best way to do that is do it from within these you know, programs and stuff. So I, I'm really excited to learn more and get moving in that direction. So that sounds amazing. You're a Cowboys fan, right? Yeah. <laughs> Dak Prescott reached out to you. I was I was like, oh, I wonder what he said. What was his message? Yeah, he was just like, hey, good luck with the game and everything. You know, he was coming off his injury. And I was like, thank you. I hope you're like, healing's going well. And you're, you know, physical therapy's <laughs> going good. And I'm sure he was like, okay, like, <laughs> but um, he was really nice. And it was just really cool that someone I've always watched on TV, you know, that, with the Cowboys is reaching out to me that's awesome. So, and I maybe had a little crush on them too, but <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll be closer. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he might be available. I'm not sure. I don't really know. <laughs> Tenille, at what point did you really realize that this was it? I mean, I always loved music. I would sing along at the top of my lungs, driving around in the backseat with my family to every Shania Twain song. And I just knew every verse, you know, all the words. <laughs> and um, I randomly was one of those crazy kids who it's like being struck by lightning in the most amazing way. But I, I randomly got pulled up on stage with her at a concert when I was nine years old. And it just was kind of one of those moments where I was standing on stage, you know, looking out into 18,000 people in Edmonton, Alberta and next to my hero. And I was just like, this is it. Like, this is exactly what I want to do for the rest of my entire life. And, um, I think the moment that made it feel less like that cool, cloudy dream and more real was, when my grandparents bought me my first guitar, I was 14 and, um, I started realizing which chords, couple of chords went together. And I was like, Oh, I could like write my own music and kind of figure out ways to tell my own stories. And I think that for me was the moment where I was like, okay, now I'm really serious. Like I want to get back to selling at one of those arena stages someday and bringing up some other nine-year-old kid to keep the circle going. So that's the dream. But yeah, I've always loved music for sure. When that happened in that moment, what was that like? <laughs> I mean, I was obsessed and still am, but I had watched <laughs> her Miami concert DVD okay. so many times. And I had my mom make me a costume and she glue gunned the yellow, orange, and red ribbons from that outfit that's on the cover of the DVD and like had the yellow ponytail on top of my head. And I made a sign with glitter that said, Shania, can I please sing with you? And it was a series of fluke events, but one of the security guards like let me stand up by the stage. And so oh I'm holding it up there and like, this is the best day of my life. Like I'm just singing the whole concert <laughs> and she comes around and like lets the mic go to this little girl that was a few seats down and then she started walking my way and I thought oh my gosh what if she lets me sing a line and she just keeps walking towards me and she didn't reach the mic out she like reached her hand out and all of a sudden there was this magic staircase that appeared and like <laughs> I just threw the sign and was like up there holding her hand and I remember the floor was like checker plate aluminum and I just was looking down at my feet like I think I'm actually awake right now like I think this is I real would be terrified. <laughs> it was the coolest thing so we sang a song together and then at the end of the song it was like a three-tiered stage kind of like a cake honestly and we were we finished at the top and she was like, well, I know your side said you wanted to sing with me, but like, I want to hear you sing. And I was like, okay. And so she's like, sing me a song. And so I sang our chorus of Honey, I'm Home. And the whole like arena was just roaring, but I couldn't see anything past the lights. It's like this hazy glow. It lit a fire in me. And I know how like literally lucky it is to be one of those kids. Anytime I'm at a concert and somebody gets pulled up, I just bawl because I'm like, you have no idea how Aww. much power that moment holds. You know, it's, it's one thing to have hero 
heroes to look up to. I'm sure Sarah in your world, just to like have those people to go, oh, well, if they can do it, I can do it too. And and then it's really something else when they literally reach out a hand and invite you into that space and show you how possible it really is. So I carry that moment around with me for sure. <laughs> You're a brave nine-year-old. I could have never done that. <laughs> See, but this is something interesting to me too, because I am so much more like nervous now than I ever like to be nine and to not care and to just be like yeah I could do anything in the world it's like before anybody (laughs) tells you that it matters what other people think or that you could fall on your face those are not things that are running through your head you're just like seeing the world full of wonder and to have that time and like for me that foundation of being able to dream a dream when you're that age and like even as you like go through, I don't know, all the hard things of junior high school and all that. And it's like to carry that (laughs) foundation of a little kid is like, it's the biggest deal, you know? Right. Wow. Like when I I think about my kids and I look at them, sometimes they're seven and four and I'm like, God, they're just magic the way that they run around. And it's like, they don't have a care in the world and every, you know, it's exactly what you said. You realize you just have to harness that. Hey, Shania, is that a relationship that you've kept going in any shape or form or do you lean on her? (laughs) So I found myself at this Billboard music event. I think this was a couple years ago um, here in Nashville. And it was like in a hotel kind of fancy conference room sort of thing. And she was presenting an award to someone. And I was standing in the room and I was looking around going like, I didn't sneak in here. Like I was invited to come to the same event that Shania Twain is at. And this is insane. <laughs> you know. <laughs> After the ceremony, like there was, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred people in this room. But one of my good friends, Katie, has worked with Shania and brought me over to her and introduced me to her and like I was just trying to string any words together what do you say to somebody who's had that much of an impact on your life but I just was like I think I mustered out a thank you and I got to show her the picture and she's like is that you and I was like yep that was me and so we got a new picture together which was really exciting and uh, that was a pretty cool full circle moment Do you have them beside each other in your house? I should. I do have the one of when I was nine up as like on my vision board, like this is what to hold on to. But I need to put the new picture up beside it. (laughs) I love that so much. (laughs) Sarah, how about you? Are there people like that that you've really looked up to? Yeah. So I didn't have like a cool story like that, but I have always looked up to the U.S. women's national team and all that they've done, especially for women in sports. And I grew up and they were it. That was what you wanted to be because they were winning world cups and gold medals and all these things. And there was never a doubt in my mind that like I could go and play soccer and be successful because I saw them in front of me on TV and doing all these awesome things. It was actually really cool. I think about two years ago, I met Abby Wambach, which I know you've had on the show before. And that was really cool. She just came in and talked to uh, Vanderbilt Soccer about like her experience and everything. And I know she's been through some struggles and she talked about that and her experience going through all that. And so it was just really cool to hear her story. And then when I got to do all the football stuff, the U.S. Women's National Team was like cheering me on. And I was like, what the heck? Like, it was so cool that I looked up to them and then they were like, shout out to me, like, hey, amazing stuff. Keep it up. And never in my mind did I think uh, I would be cheered on for playing football, American football. Oh <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy because your stories, they mirror each other. It's that aha moment of, whoa, wait a minute, I'm in the same room. Wait, wait a minute. Those women that I've idolized are now looking at me, right? Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's actually funny. You were, you were saying your story about how your grandparents gave you a guitar and that, and you started playing. I got a guitar when I was younger and I would miss guitar lessons for soccer practice. So, and then I (laughs) never learned how to play the guitar. (laughs) Good thing you skipped all those lessons. Yes. (laughs) I would go in and they're like, okay, did you learn the song? And I was like, no. <laughs> That's amazing. And I played no sports. I was like, you know, tried out for, I mean, zero sports in my story. So I skipped all the gym classes to go and play guitar. So that's pretty funny. <laughs> you both just naturally gravitated to what yes. your calling really was. 
Our podcast is presented by AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone, AutoZone. All right, team, I think we can all agree the first thing you want to do when you see a dashboard light is see less of it. The AutoZone Fix Finder service is something I'm excited to tell you about because they can truly troubleshoot anything that pops up, including your check engine light, your ABS light. AutoZone's Fix Finder just plugs into a port under your dashboard. It's super easy. Get some data from your car and then it compares that reading to an exhaustive industry-leading database with more than 120 million technician-verified fixes. I've seen it in person. It is great. AutoZone gives you a detailed report. They print or email it to you. And if the job looks too involved for you, AutoZone can recommend a shop to help with the issue. How easy is that? Got a warning light on? Go to AutoZone and find the most likely solution with FixFinder, the most complete free warning light report backed by technician-verified fixes. Get in the zone. AutoZone. You won the SEC championship with your team this past fall. Can you just explain for our listeners what that meant? Yeah, so that's my most proud accomplishment. When I think back on everything, that is what I'm most proud of because that's what I've worked my whole life for um, is to win like a championship like that. And my college years have been a huge struggle. I've been injured numerous times and I was told, no, like you can't travel. No, you're not going to play over and over again. And so coming into my senior year, the beginning of the year, I was told, no, we're not going to start you. That was really frustrating. So then after a few games into the season, you know, my name was called and I was able to step up and I played with them all the way through the SEC tournament. And it was just incredible to be with my teammates and all the hard work we've put in, especially in a pandemic with everything against us. You know, we're isolated. We get tested three times a week. You know, if someone close to you gets COVID, you're out. Like there's all kinds of stuff that were a factor in this. And I think that makes this tournament win even more special because we had to be that much more dedicated. And you no, know, it was just an incredible experience going out to Orange Beach and being able to win that whole thing. I'm so incredibly proud of it. I'm so incredibly proud of my teammates and all the hard work that they've put in. And, you know, hopefully that momentum will carry over into this next tournament we got going. We got the big one. So mm. we're really excited about that. So then what was that like six days later to get the nod to play for the Vandy football team? I mean, take <laughs> us on that wild ride. And just for people that aren't aware out there, you know, this was a legit situation where the team was down players because of COVID and they knew what a great kicker you were, you know, they knew what you could do (laughs) with the soccer ball. So (laughs) this became the best option and walk us through it. I want you to tell that story. So we had just won the tournament that Sunday. uh, And then Monday we were back in Nashville and I got a, I saw a missed phone call from my assistant coach. You know, if you get called by your coach, the day after a tournament you're like why am I in trouble the season's over like what did I do but I was not in trouble Uh, so I called him back and the first thing he was like hey can you be out on the turf in like 30 minutes and I was like why like what's happening I'm going home today like what's happening and he was like the Vandy football team needs a kicker they're out because of COVID close contact and all this stuff and we thought you would be the best one for the job. And he's like, you don't have it yet, but you need to go and try out. And I was like, okay. He's like, yes or no. Like in my head, I was like, I kind of want to see my dogs. Like, I don't know, but (laughs) he's like, yes or no, yes or no. And I was like, okay, yes. Like I'll help him out. No big deal. Whatever. So, but at that moment, like, honestly, what's going through your mind? Because yeah, I'll help him out. But like, oh my goodness. Like, did you even realize the gravity of what it could be? No. Oh, no, no. Because I called my parents who were driving back from Orange Beach. So they were still on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I called my parents and I was like, hey, just got asked to be the kicker. I'm going to do it. And they're like, okay, cool. And then I called my dad that night. He was like, Sarah, do you like realize what this means? Like, this is a big deal. And I was like, I kind of slowly realized that. But, you know, it hasn't really hit me yet. <laughs> I didn't know. It was just so crazy. So like within 30 minutes, I was out there taking field goals and I made 12 out of 15. And they were like, okay, yeah, we're going to sign you up real quick. And, and I went in and I filled out the paperwork and I was a dual sport athlete. I had to go and register to be a football player on the NCAA website. And I was like, this is so weird. (laughs) It was very weird because a dual sport athlete in college is just insane. 
And then I went in and I was like trying on all the, you know, pads and helmets and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, this is badass. Like, this is cool. I'm actually going to do this. <laughs> so, um, so, and you know, it's cool. so funny. I, I remember when I was a, a little girl, I was reading, I had to do this book assignment. The book was about a girl who wanted to be a knight. And for the assignment, wow. we had to like dress up as the character and I had to wear like knight armor and all this stuff. And, and I remember telling my mom, I was like, I don't want to do that. That's embarrassing. And I, and I ended up going and doing it. And I was like dressed out in all this like, you know, armor and stuff. And everybody's like, oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. And, and now I think I'm like, oh, I was wearing like football gear. Like I felt like I was like Ooh. wearing my armor and stuff. And um, that's amazing. I don't know why you're making me cry. I'm not even hormonal. I'm like, I'm like, this, this is, is so weird. Very I know. Emotional. <laughs> that's just so, is that like when, first of all, when you're saying that, I'm like, whoa, right? Because it all comes full yeah. circle. First of all, that's just so weird. But I think you're making me think about my daughter. And I'm like, wow. It was just incredible. And so I spent that week learning how to to kick a football which was difficult because it's different it's not round um <laughs> but um and you know at first the guys were a little hesitant um not in the sense that I was a girl by any means but it was like can she do this you know I wanted to go out and be an athlete and I wanted to show that yes I am and and you guys need my help and I want to do the best that I possibly can so when I got to go out there and when we played against Mizzou and I ended up doing that squib kick. It was so crazy. Like in the moment, I was like, okay, do your job, do your thing. Like, don't screw up. <laughs> um, and then like once it was done and everything, um, and I got the like the announcement, it's like everybody in that stadium was cheering for me, but also for the history of it, which was so awesome. It was like for a moment, everybody was united in the fact that women are moving forward in sports. And I just thought that was like, so amazing. I think that was the moment that I was like, okay, yeah, like this, <laughs> this is a big deal. It was just so crazy. Wow. And I think what I'm most proud of in terms of football is like actually in their next game against Tennessee was scoring the field goals. Cause I wanted to show that I could actually do it. You know, I could score points and it, it's so cool. Like nobody can take that away from me. I, I scored points in a football game. It was so crazy. I still can't believe it happened. I can't believe I did that. <laughs> but, <laughs> Both of you are so wise beyond your years, you know, and, and I was talking with Carter, my producer about this. You've got your like whole careers in, in front of you and we know that the trajectory is so grand. But Sarah, when I read that you pumped up the team, right? Like you gave a speech, <laughs> Ugh, the infamous speech, <laughs> the confidence to do that. Where did you get that? And what was the speech? During the first half of the game, I was like, this something needs to change. I just kept thinking back to my soccer team and, you know, how dedicated and devoted we were to winning that tournament. Um, it didn't matter if you were on the field or not, you were putting a hundred percent of effort into whatever it was. So whether it was you were cheering someone on or you were going in for a slide tackle, whatever it was. So when I was on the sideline and I was like, we're getting touchdowns scored on us and like all this stuff. And nobody was even cheering if we got a first down. And it really frustrated me going from a team that was winning championships and all this stuff to kind of this attitude. And and I understand that they've been through so much and COVID really took a toll and was a stressful year. But I, I was like, we can change our attitudes at least. And I think that's the best thing we can do. So I just went in there and I was like, listen, I, I'm not going to BS you guys. Like I'm upfront. I don't like how this is going. I think we need to be better at cheering each other on. We need to be, you know, critiquing one another. If we, we do something good, we need to cheer each other on. If we don't, we cheer each other on and fix it and talk about it. So I just went in there and, and was honest about it. And I get a lot of hate for it because they're like, you're a kicker. You shouldn't be, you know, speaking out, talking that way. And I was like, no, first off, I am a SEC championship goalkeeper. Hell yeah. That is what I am. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Damn. So <laughs> I wanted to be honest and upfront with my teammates. And, you know, I think they took it well. I think they understood where I was coming from, coming from, you know, a good place. Um, it wasn't trying to be rude or disrespectful in any sense. It was, hey, let's do better. I'm obviously with the soccer team now and everything, but I've kind of been watching the program and everything with this new coach. And it's really awesome to kind of see that energy shift. And I, I'm really excited for where they're heading. And it was great to play just a tiny bit of a role in that. 
helping change that attitude and stuff. So. Wow. That is so cool. That is insanely inspiring to hear that you were like, no, listen, <laughs> this is, this is who I am. And I do have a voice here. Like that's a, that's a big deal. That's amazing. I think you just described <laughs> yourself though, to Neil, didn't you? Oh man. I saw you in 2019. I was at the luncheon for the CMT next women of country. Oh, wow. um, a friend of mine in Nashville was like, come with me. I'm going to this luncheon. And I was blown away. All the women on that stage were amazing, but you performed. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. And your song, Somebody's Daughter. That yep, that's right. Yep. It just hit me. And that was for various mm. reasons. And I want to ask you a lot about that song. But to Sarah, what Sarah was just saying, I mean, country music is not easy for women, right? And that day, I didn't realize how much of a sisterhood there was and that there needed to be because of yep. how difficult country music can be for women. It's so true. It is. It's an uphill. And the best part about that to me is that like everybody who shows up and it's like you're standing at the bottom of it looking up and it's like, right, this is what we're here to do. So we're just going to keep putting one foot in front of the other and you just keep going. It's like any obstacle is. It's like it's really just the question of if you're up for it or not, because they're always going to be there. You know, so <laughs> country music's full of them. I feel like really grateful to be a part of the spirit of this community that really is a lot like a sisterhood. Like there's so many of my friends are fellow songwriters and artists and people who are taking the same steps one after the other. And it's really cool to like look beside each other and be like, yeah, yeah. All right, let's do this. We got this. <laughs> what are some of the uphills? And I guess, can you explain to listeners who may not know, like why are there more men in country music? I think a lot of it is the radio charts. You know, when you listen to to country radio, I think you're a lot more likely to to hear male voices one after the other instead of back-to-back -back female songs and, you know, just like representation in all kinds of different opportunities. I think it exists in all pockets of the world. It's like I grew up watching my mom and my grandmother, you know, just be amazing, badass women and like always speak their mind and be surrounded by really supportive men. So for me, sometimes I look at... Mm -hmm what that obstacle is of being a woman and go, huh, like, is this how we're looking at it? And it's like a combination of that and that the problem really is there. So being able to take, I think, positive steps towards it in all of the ways <laughs> is like important. <laughs> yes, there I've definitely had experiences like that where you find yourself saying, is it me or is that really happening? Really? Like, or is it the way yeah. I'm taking it or... Yeah. And I've come to the realization, I think, over the course of my career that if there's something that you feel like should be changed, really, the only way to do that is to speak up and to hopefully have the support of women or people around you that are also going to follow, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's like the courage to speak up and like you're talking about and giving that speech, like that's what gives me goosebumps and also just insp <laughs> inspires me to be like, right. But it's also like in your work. I write songs and I love to play them for people. And it's like, I'm just going to pour my whole heart and soul into that. And whatever the outcome is or whatever goes on around me that's where the odds are stacked against me or they're not, it's like, doesn't even matter. I'd much rather focus on what I'm headed towards than on what's hard about it. Did you really write 200 songs during quarantine? <laughs> I did because how else was I like going to stay sane in this time of like being <laughs> locked in my house? So it's been a lot of just like this being on a Zoom call. And, you know, I met friends in new parts of the world. I was writing with people in L.A. or in um, in the UK that I've never even met in person before. And I've written, you know, 10 or something songs with them and become what's felt like really close friends in this time. And I mean, COVID has brought so many obstacles to everybody's field of work, but in the music world, just not being able to be creative in the same room is hard, but I think it's brought out this thing where, oh, like it's still possible to find a way to do the thing that you love and I've really enjoyed getting to write a lot of music in this time because there's a lot of thoughts. There's lots to process in, in a world pandemic. There's a lot to talk about loneliness and isolation and what's going on on the planet. And it's like, 
what's going on in everybody's hearts. So there's, there's plenty of things to reflect on. And there's definitely moments in the past year where it's like my tank is empty and I can't even string words together. So today we're just going to take the day off and go for a long walk and see what's just what other kind of fun things we could do. Yeah. It's like, it's not, I'm not writing every day, but, um, as much as I think my heart could handle it, I was grateful to escape to that. Wow. What do you think has led to you being like such a wonderful, like elevated songwriter? Where do you think it comes from? I mean, if I'm being completely honest, it's like there's an element of creativity in general to me that feels spiritual. I think you just sort of become the vessel and it's like how much you're willing to really listen and lean into whatever's calling you. So that feels like some kind of compass for me. I think it has to do with just being like a really curious like I was always asking a million questions about everything as a kid like trying to figure out how things worked or it's like being inquisitive is sort of maybe a part of that and then I think it's probably also just what I feel inspired by like one second because my kids just oh, came to hello. say bye to me hi, hi. I, love going, you. Guys. I love you enjoy okay. oh, fun. all right hi look that's Tamil. she's a country singer hi. she's a star and and hi. sarah is a soccer and a football player nice to meet you <laughs> she's like all right mom yeah what's her name sibby short for sybil oh, oh that's, that's so, so cute. cute thank you you know what she was in my stomach and her brother would call her sibling we, we made it short for sibling like sibby sibby and then we were like oh we can't change the name she's got to be sibby Right. Oh, so I love we that. changed it to Sybil. That's so cute. Anyway, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. Carry on. No, you're totally good. I think I was just saying like that combined with the inspiration, like my family and I would drive around in my grandparents motorhome and listen to Code of Many Colors, Dolly Parton. It's like she's the hero and the legend and like just listening to the way that music affected me and the way that I would hear those stories coming through the radio speakers as a kid is like those kind of songs were always the ones that set the bar for me and inspire me to dig into the corners of human existence that pull out those sort of thoughts. So that's always my pursuit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to write my essays for me? Because I feel like they say <laughs> That's amazing. Such a good idea. Ghostwriter. <laughs> I love it. Let's do it. I'm I'm there. I'm totally there. <laughs> when I think about somebody's daughter specifically, the lyrics you wrote, like I have a best friend growing up and your line about being the best friend, mm. that's me and my friendship. I had never heard a song that summed up something that I didn't realize I was feeling. And I'm like, wow, the power mm. to connect with people about something so deep. And obviously it can be different mm. for so many different people, but I just... I think that's so profound and it's amazing. And I was also curious about when I meet my maker with your great grandmother, that story mm -hmm. about how that was recorded. I was wondering if you could share that for our listeners, because I think that's pretty special yeah. and the influence that she was for you. Thank you for asking about her. It's like my favorite to talk about and for mentioning your friend with that other song. That's pretty cool. But we, we got to the point in the record where we were recording um, this song that I had written, I was just sitting in this little rental apartment in Nashville at this coffee table and was thinking about my great grandmother back at home who at the time was really sick and then had eventually passed. And it was like, oh man, she was the glue, like such a remarkable woman. She would be dancing and partying with the best of everybody around the campfire till all hours and then would be the first one like cooking everybody breakfast in the morning like well into her late 70s you know and it was just like this woman is amazing and she'd play all these card games and just would you know she had the best laugh and we all miss her so much but was thinking about her and music is like my way to heal and it's where I put my emotions so I just kind of was playing this guitar part sitting thinking about her and wrote the song super quickly. It felt like a download sort of moment. And then when it came time to the day to record that song, I wore her earrings that got passed down to me and walked into the studio. And the studio I got to record in is actually this old church that's been completely converted into a, a recording wow, studio. And cool. And so the day we did this song, we moved all the equipment up to the altar of where the church would be. And we sat there and we ran it once. We were just kind of jamming it to sort of see what would happen. It was just me singing and playing and 
my producer was Jay Joyce was playing electric and then Jackson was playing a second acoustic. So it was just the three of us and we played it and it was like, what just happened? Like we luckily had pressed record and and we went back. Normally you like record vocals after and then you do a bunch of passes and pick all the best lines. And it was like we listened back to what just sort of felt like it fell from the sky and we're like, let's not touch that. So <laughs> the version that you hear on on the record is is that pass in its entirety. So that felt like she was sitting there right beside us, kind of carrying us through that moment. Wow. That's amazing. That is incredible. Thanks. Thanks for asking about that song. You're welcome. I think about my journey in my career and there are definite things, you know, that I've thought of along the way is like, okay, this is a huge lesson that I would tell myself. And one of the things is like, I think in my business, it is really all about the people. You know, it's all about Mm -hmm. how you interact, how you treat people, the relationships, you know, and like, so example, when I started out early in my career, I was so driven and intent on, okay, am I doing the right thing? Am I going, going as fast as I should be? That I think I, I left a lot of relationships on the table. And that was something, it was like friends. It was also just not taking as much of the moment as I could to enjoy everything that I'm around in these cities that I'm in. Cause I was hopping and hopping, but it's, it's all been a positive lesson. And I was wondering for you guys, you know, you're a lot younger than where I am in my career, but Is there something that you would tell young girls, you know, that you have Mm. experienced already, you know, whatever it is that you think is something that, that you're glad that you've learned? The first thing that comes to mind is overnight, I got thousands and thousands of followers and all this attention. And so I felt like for a moment, I had to be this idea of myself. And I know this is cheesy because everybody says it, but it's like, be yourself, like, genuinely like be who you are and it's one it's easier and it's a lot more fun (laughs) just to to be yourself because I you know I struggled I would post something I'd be like wow people didn't like that or oh okay yes people like this you know and then I I realized it was like consuming me and it was really bothering me and then once I just started I was like I I think this is funny I'm gonna post this and hey I like really enjoy this picture or whatever or I really enjoy this article I'm gonna share it within myself, I started to feel better about that. And I, I noticed like even the reactions of people that were like, Hey, like, I love how genuine you are about things. And that's my advice is just be yourself. Don't feel like you have to perform for other people around you, especially in a world of social media. It's not worth it. <laughs> that's so good. Yes. <laughs> yes to that. I'll, I'll, I'll pick that as my answer. Yeah. Too. You're going to have to write your own essays, girl. <laughs> Yep. Um, uh, you don't, yeah, absolutely to the essay. That's amazing. I would say in the same thread of that. And my thing is to just keep showing up, you know, it's like I started making up songs in my room when I was like 14 and have just kind of been dreaming of what this part would feel like right here. And looking back, on the past few years, it's like there's been lots of closed doors and lots of you're not there yet or wait your turn or forgetting the words in the middle of something or going, (laughs) I am so nervous. I could pass out right now. Any of those things, it's like continuing to just literally put one foot in front of the other and show up. And I think that that's what it means to really love something. It's like when you love it, more than what you're afraid anybody else thinks about you or whether it's going to be a flying success or a failure. It's like, if you love it, the outcome doesn't really matter. You know? What happens if you do forget the words in the middle of a song? That's got to be something (laughs) that happens more than people think, right? That's like getting scored on in a game. That's all I can compare it to. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I love that. (laughs) Yes, it's like... I mean, in a way, yeah, like in so many, see, sometimes you're lucky. I'm I'm still like absolutely in the new artist category. And so, so many of my songs in a set, like people have probably never, ever heard before. So I can just make up new words in the moment if I'm really struggling with that. But I used to sing the anthem actually at all our local hockey games growing up. And I stumbled on the words there at one time. And that is one where you just that's really hard to get back up from because everybody knows those words. So that's definitely the uh, the worst goal scored on myself that, <laughs> that has occurred. <laughs> X's and O's. These are rapid fire questions, guys. Are you ready? 
Yes. All right. Let's do this. If I weren't an artist or athlete, I would be Sarah. Let's start with you. Oh gosh, uh, probably <laughs> a painter is coming to mind. I, I like painting in my free time. So, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Specifically, watercolor. That's so fun. I love watercolors too. That's cool. <laughs> Tennille. Okay, let's see. I would probably be some kind of event planner or like person who would host the concerts because I just love music too much to not still find a way to hear it. (laughs) Good answer. All right. Favorite athlete when you were growing up? Probably Alex Morgan comes to mind. Yeah. She's obviously still amazing, especially her being a a mom now and still playing. I think it's just awesome. So Alex Morgan would be mine. (laughs) Mm, I would honestly, this is like... (laughs) He'll kill me for saying this, but probably my little brother because I just oh, loved him so to watch sweet. him like <laughs> to no, watch I he love played that. <laughs> he played soccer and he also motocross raced and so like oh, I wow. was just always looking for his numbers and was always always cheering him on. <laughs> That's so cute. I remember would go to my brother's soccer games and they were little and they would all swarm the ball and he would like, you know, put his hands on it. And they were like, no, no. Anyway. I know it's the best. <laughs> First CD or album that you bought or loved? Probably Shania Twain, Come On Over would be would be the one that um, I held on to the tightest. <laughs> Sarah? I, I can think of like my first concert I went to. It was a Kenny Chesney concert. Nice. That was probably like my first like album. <laughs> and it was pouring rain. Pouring down rain. <laughs> oh, wow. But I still That's fun. It. Sometimes it's even better. All right. Moment yes. that has meant the most to you so far in your career. Sarah, I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, it has to be the SEC championship one by far. Lifting that trophy up is just the confetti coming down. Like, how could you not love that? <laughs> it's so awesome. That sounds amazing. Okay, well, I would say... I got a Zoom call from Keith Urban last year telling me that I had won the ACM for New Female Artist of the Year. So that was a really cool celebration. And getting to to play a song on the show is um, such an honor for sure. <laughs> Two items from your bucket list that you want to fill, Tennille. Oh, okay. To have my own headlining tour. That's a big dream. And I would say that the step before that would be a tour bus because we currently travel in like a 15 passenger van and um, oh, really? and it's like that's that's <laughs> that's on the vision board next. How can we work towards the tour bus? So <laughs> when does that happen for people? I guess after a few hits, you know, or after I don't know, things just kind of get moving a little bit more. So I feel like we're getting closer. <laughs> Next time we talk. All right, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to go to a World Cup game. That would be really awesome. And then I guess the second one would be to be like a either play on or be like a part owner of a NWSL, like the soccer team yeah. um, would be amazing. Like Angel City. I would love to do that. Yeah. So that would be really awesome. Abby Wambach talked a lot of, about that and about just how important that is and how exciting it is. So. Awesome. Good luck with that. All right. Last question, guys. Girls are better than boys because Sarah Fuller. Go ahead. (laughs) Because we work so freaking hard. Like, (laughs) honestly, because we do. Like, I I feel like the odds are like always stacked against us. And it's like, oh, you're a girl. Like the whole play like a girl. I did that for a reason. And, you know, I wanted to show like that we work so hard and we deserve these moments to shine and and, you know, be amazing in our field. So that's why. <laughs> it's the coolest helmet. I feel the same because we're not afraid of the uphills. And yes, we we, we work very hard. <laughs> so well said. <laughs> this is so fun. We laughed. We cried. <laughs> we did it all. Yes. Um, we did it all. This really was so fun. Yeah. And really, I have to say, very eye-opening in terms of the connections that you guys made me think about between both of you. It's pretty special and and cool, you know, and hopefully helpful for for other people that hear this. So thank you both so much and good luck. Yeah, thank you. Yes, good luck at the tournament. I'm cheering for you you guys. So excited. (laughs) And I'll be cheering you on at one of your concerts. Like, I will be there. Thanks. I need need concerts again, so I'm ready. Well, I can't wait to meet you in person and we'll have to hang out at a show. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. That'd be amazing. (laughs) I wrapped up that conversation with Tennille and Sarah and I felt like 
I want to do more. I want to do more to help women and specifically young women who are figuring out what they're doing on their paths because something about these two strong women, the way that they were sharing their experiences, I thought, man, this is such a blueprint, you know, for success from two girls at such a young age with so much ahead of them. I want to share though, the moment that really caught me off guard in this. And it's because I had a physical reaction. This has not happened to me before where I was in the middle of this conversation and Tennille Towns, when she was sharing the story about Shania Twain pulling her up on stage and then The fact that years later, she found herself in the room with her, basically being invited to the same event and how that symbolized, you know, making it in a way and and being worth it and becoming what Tennille had always dreamed of. That I thought, whoa, this is such a cool, powerful moment. But when Sarah Fuller followed that up with the story of trying on the pads, the football pads in the men's locker room, once she knew she got the job to fill in for their kickers, And when she was realizing in real time with us in this conversation that she had read a book as a kid and the book was about putting on armor, there was something that really hit me about that because I thought, oh my goodness, even even the way she said it, she said, oh, I'm just realizing this now. I thought, how special is this to have someone in the midst of conversation make a connection for themselves? And to me it's much bigger. It's about, whoa, here's this path that you don't realize has been laid out for you, but the little pebbles that are left along the way to help you guide and to help reveal what what might be. And there is something, maybe it's spiritual, but whatever it is, to me, it was very impactful. And I felt myself in the midst of that conversation, listening to Sarah, my face was getting hot and I couldn't stop it. I had these tears that were welling up in my eyes. And I thought, is this because I'm thinking about my daughter? Because this is truly something that I want her to experience, this strength and this knowledge of yourself and this awareness. And then I thought it also makes me feel some sort of nostalgia for my own path. And I remember moments in the course of my career, especially when I thought initially, oh, I could never do that, you know, to do highlights, to talk about sports in a way where it seems like all the women that have come before me, I've, I watched them own it in that way. And To find myself years later in a position where I'm doing that, it's not only empowering and amazing, and it certainly gives you a sense of confidence, but it's also just, for me, it's been a bigger picture moment of realizing, okay, this is all much bigger. And whether it's faith or whatever it is that you rely on, it just, it's this sense of comfort and peace knowing that you put one foot in front of the other and you do what you truly believe in and you follow your heart and you treat people right and things may just work out in the end. Anyway, I can't thank these two women enough. Also, the fact that Tennille Towns wrote 200 songs in quarantine was amazing. I could not believe that she actually confirmed that. And I can't wait to hear her new music. And speaking of her music, Somebody's Daughter, I know I mentioned it in the episode, but it is Mental Health Awareness Month. That's the month of May. And that is a very important cause for me because yes, I do have a close friend in my life who has battled that for years. And I was, I was being serious to kneel her lyrics and her gift of songwriting is something that I know strikes and impacts so many people out there. So Sarah also additionally being so young, but having the confidence and describing the way that she was able to mesh and fit right into the men's team. I commend her. And even though her team unfortunately had an early exit from the NCAA tournament, I'm super excited to see what her future holds. I love this conversation. I hope you did as well. And if you liked this, you can listen to all of the other artists in the athlete episodes. You can find them wherever you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to let us know what you think. Subscribe and share with us your thoughts, review. Also, I'd love to hear your thoughts interacting with me on Instagram at Lindsay CZ, as well as at Sony Podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you soon.